friends and welcome to the long-awaited episode 17 of Cool Story with David J. McNeil. This episode is the very first three-parter. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate your support. This episode features a conversation with the one and only Canadian-American actor, writer, director, musician, businessman, cannabis rights activist, and comedian Tommy Chong. Now most of my podcasts so far have followed a pretty straightforward formula. A record date is set for the podcast, and then the episode is recorded from top to tail in one sitting on that date. But not this episode. Oh no, this one took on a life of its own. It was not to be cajoled or corralled. It would happen as it happened. After all, I was talking with Tommy Chong, an 82-year-old man who in 70s lingo could be best described as a different kind of cat. We had a few resets in the beginning as Tommy wanted to do the podcast on his phone, which wouldn't work using the software I usually use so we decided to go with Skype. We had some issues with Skype due to dropouts, so we decided to eventually switch to Zoom calls instead. We also had some issues with chats being cut short, as Tommy had some last-minute conflicts. When all was said and done, the episode ended up being a series of six different conversations plus phone calls to make all of that happen. If I was a glass-half-empty kind of guy, all of these setbacks might have been an issue, but one conversation with Tommy Chong that morphed into a series of conversations turned out to be a real blessing. Another thing about chatting with Tommy was that laying out a roadmap for our chat would be a fool's errand. Like any great improviser or musician, which Tommy is both, Tommy's all stream of consciousness. There would be no trying to guide the conversation. Once we had wrapped up our multiple phone conversations, it also became apparent there was no way I was going to somehow Dr. Frankenstein together some sort of a podcast monster using all of these different bits that I recorded. This podcast would need to be laid out the way it occurred. That would be the only way to do this conversation justice. So I hope you enjoy part one of my chat with Tommy Chong. In the first few minutes of the chat, which you will not hear, I gave Tommy a preamble about how the podcast would be laid out. That's when he decided to get the podcast rolling with a question of his own. It might have had something to do with the fact that I was laying out the podcast in a way that might be a little too structured for Tommy's liking. It wasn't until we were five minutes into the conversation that I suggested that I actually introduce Tommy to the listeners. Here's what that chat sounded like. What's your birth sign? My, I'm a Capricorn. Oh, so you're a little bit anal, are you? I don't know if I am. Maybe a little. I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to say. <laughs> Do you, I, I don't know. I mean, I read those things sometimes, and I, I, I you know, it's like anything. You, you see a bit of yourself in it, but not all of yourself in it. That's true. What's That's your true. birth sign? Uh, Gemini. Gemini. And so what's yeah. the predominant trait of the Gemini? Oh, that word. There's a couple of us. <laughs> you know, hot and cold. Yeah. And sometimes we're all there and other times, who? <laughs> yeah. No, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's pretty cool. I got a friend that's an astrologer. And, uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm like a pure Gemini for sure. So is she, by the way. Yeah. Oh, so you're the friend who's the astrologer? Yeah, we share the same birthday, uh, May 24th, same as uh, Bob Dylan. Okay. I'm older than him, by the way. 
Yeah. Uh, who do I share a birthday with? Uh, some uh, Joan Baez. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that would be a nice I'm on January 9. Uh, uh, David Bowie and Elvis were born the day before me. But, Elvis. Uh, yeah. Wow. Hmm. I was visiting with uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar the day that Elvis died. Oh, yeah. Wow. Kareem Jabbar called me up. And said he had a shipment because we used to share weed with each other because he was a big pot smoker okay. back in the day. And uh, when, when, one day he called me up, and I just heard on the news that Elvis Presley had died. And I had to walk down the road, and I was just, wow, I was just thinking about, you know, Elvis Presley was uh, the reason I got into being a, a musician, you know. Oh, really? Yeah, I quit school, everything. When I saw, as soon as I saw Elvis, I knew exactly what I wanted to do with my life, the rest of my life, you know, yeah, was, was to entertain. And I used to back up, uh, uh, I was a backup guitar player for uh, this Elvis impersonator, who was a yeah. full-blooded uh, Sarsi native from uh, Al- Alberta. Yeah. And we used to play a uh, girl, uh, what do you call it? Those, uh, uh, I forget, the lunch at, at a school, at a high school, you know. Uh, the cafeteria? Well, no, it was like the auditorium. There's an auditorium there that yeah. we could use that. And we used to go entertain, get on stage and uh, with his Elvis look and uh, and have all the girls scream. That was that was a trip. <laughs> yeah. You know, I I, uh, I remember that day. Well, uh, I I was seven. Uh, I was born in 1970. I was seven years old the day uh, that uh, that he died. And we were over at my my aunt's place. And all the women were just in tears, and and my my aunt broke out. She had the Elvis Gold albums. Remember those? Sure. The gold collection. She she broke those out and started playing them, and everybody danced all night and oh, cried. And uh, what a, what a best best way. And you want to hear something weird? Uh, I think the next day, next day or next couple of days, my daughter was friends with Lisa Marie, mm-hmm. and they were quite young. They were. I guess they were maybe 10, 9, 10, something, you know, around that age. And uh, and they had all the tributes about Elvis on TV. Yeah. And I, and I was watching, watching them, you know, because I was like totally in shock, basically. And next thing I know, I felt Lisa Marie standing behind me and she was watching. And she had no connection with Elvis whatsoever. Oh, really? Yeah, they just went and played instead. They went, yeah, my daughter says, ah, come on, this is boring. Let's go play. Yeah. I got to close the door. Yeah, no worries. Dog barking. Yeah, hey, I'm going to, uh, we can, uh, I'm, I'm going to include uh, some of this chatter in the in the podcast, but uh, why don't we do, uh, do an intro? Uh, you got it. And uh, why don't we, uh, I'll just, uh, I'll introduce you now. I will just do five, four, three. Hello, Tommy Chong. How you doing? Hey, good, man. I'm doing really good. We're still fighting the uh, the uh, the lockdown, the you know, pandemic, and I got my dogs going crazy because someone's walking in here. Oh, I guess that's our bong. Our bong thing's coming. <laughs> Your bong what? Uh, we're 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 going to be doing um, the bongs again. This okay. is from uh, you know you know I went to jail because of bongs. Yeah, I want to talk to you about that. Hey, you ever pinch yourself and, and think, man, I can't believe the life I'm living? All the time. 
Yeah. But I, but I kind of do. I, I, I've made uh, peace a uh, long time ago. Well, I've been doing so many interviews. You yeah. Know? And they always ask you about, you know, how do you feel about legalizing weed and all that stuff? <clears throat> and, you know, and, and did you ever think that weed would be legal? You know, all those questions. You yeah. Know? And, uh, and so, so I've been doing some thinking. Plus, I'm 82. Mm-hmm. You know? And so when you get close to the finish line, just, uh, one thing about old people, we start uh, going back to our, we go younger and younger in our memories. Yeah. You know, and like it, because uh, what, what happens when you, when, when you get older, <clears throat> you become an individual again. Yeah. You know, before uh, you're a husband, you're a, a father. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're, you're a partner, you know. But as you get older, you become uh, an individual. You become yourself, like you were, right. when, you were when you were a kid, when you were, yeah. when you were a young kid. That's, that's your memories. It's just you, Jack. There's nobody else. Yeah. And, and so, I, uh, so I started, uh, you know, when people ask me, you know, uh, you know, are you surprised? And, you know, that, that pot's legal and, and all that stuff, you know. Uh, I got to tell you the truth, uh, and I tell them the truth, too, is that, no, I've always felt in my heart that, that weed should be legal mm-hmm. because it's so good. Because what happened with me, I kind of got... Well, it wasn't just weed, but weed helped me with my music yeah. and helped me get off uh, cigarettes, helped mm-hmm. me start, you know, working out uh, as far as uh, uh, being healthy, you know, mm-hmm. being very healthy goes. Because I, I was with bodybuilders, you know, and the only substance they would do was, was marijuana. And so I, uh, I changed my habits around. But I, I realized... You know, then then I got involved uh, in in a quest for spirituality, especially when I went to jail. You know, when I got uh, incarcerated, it was kind of a shock. You know, because you're, uh, especially when you're me. You know, uh, Chong, you don't think that anybody's going to put seriously put you in jail for right for selling bongs. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, it just it seems so ridiculous. You know. And and so uh, and so when it did happen, reality didn't kick in until I was literally driving to the prison. And Vanity Fair wanted to do a story, and so the writer from Vanity Fair was very, uh, what do you call it, uh, kind of flamboyant writer, and he uh, arranged for Vanity Fair to pay for a limousine to take me to jail. And so, so I rode in a big old lima, stretch limousine to prison. And, and while we're... Are you there? Oh, I lost you. Ah, oh, shit. Are you there? No, I lost you. It was at this moment that we encountered our first technical snafu. So I called Tommy and we agreed to pick up our convo a day later. Tommy Chong, how you doing? Good, good, man. I'm trying to get through this Skype 
But we're doing it. <laughs> yeah, we're doing it. We got, we had, uh, we had uh, some difficulties connecting, but, uh, but, but here we are. We're, uh, we're connected, and we're. Uh, it's just me and you, Tommy. Okay, How are you? Just you and me, dude. Yeah, because <laughs> Dave's not here. Oh man, uh, you know what? I, I met. I the reason we're talking right now is because I met your daughter Precious years ago, yes. in a in a in a wor- actors workshop in Toronto. And uh, we were doing scenes together. And the teacher at the time suggested that you go out with your scene partner and have a drink and get to know them, which was great. Went out, had a drink with uh, Precious and had some dinner and chatted and got to know each other. And she was telling me about all the different places she's lived. And I said, wow, that's that's interesting. You, you live in Los Angeles and you lived in, in, in Amsterdam. And she's telling me about these places. I said, what did your parents do for a living? And she says, well, she says, I don't know. She says, do you know who Tommy Chong is? And I said, man, I, I was born in 1970 when I was growing up. And every time I went to a party, some guy was like, hey, man, Dave's not here. Every time I got <laughs> introduced to somebody, because I know exactly who Tommy Chong is. <laughs> how could I not? <laughs> so that's that's how this all started through your daughter, uh, Precious. Oh, so that's pretty so cool. cool. Yeah. 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 She's a lovely lady. I I, I haven't seen her in a, in a long while, but uh, I, uh, I, I was at a. I live here in Costa Rica, and I was at a skate shop, and I saw a Cheech and Chong skateboard, and I took a picture of it. I sent it to her, and I said, hey, look, familiar faces in Costa Rica. And then we started talking, and I said, why haven't I talked to her about seeing if Tommy will be on the show? But here we are. You're in Costa Rica now? I'm in Costa Rica right now, yeah. Ah, well, no wonder we're having all these problems, man. Yeah, maybe that might be part it's, of it. But no, it's, you, that, it's that, that Spanish influence, you know. <laughs> ah, we'll do it tomorrow, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Manana. Are you Costa Rican? I am not Costa Rican. I am Canadian. But my wife and I just kind of felt like we, you know, my wife is South African. And I've been a Canadian guy from Ontario my whole life, and I just kind of figured, like, I, I want to experience more. We should, we should, we should get a place somewhere else and and be citizens of the world instead of just being people from Toronto our whole lives. Yeah, yeah. So that's what Good. we're doing. No, Toronto's a great place to get the hell out of. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, well, you're a Canadian guy. You grew up in in. Uh, in Alberta, how, yep. how, uh, how did the journey, uh, you know, the move to, to Los Angeles start? You, you've done what a lot of Canadian artists have done. It started with, uh, I, was, I had a band. We put the first black R&B band together in, in uh, Calgary <clears throat> in 1957, 50, yeah, six, 57, 50. We started in 56, 57. Is that the 50, Vancouver's or is that before then? No, this is in Calgary. Okay. We started in Calgary. I was still in school at the time. Then I smoked pot for the first time, quit school, and then concentrated on the band. And, and you know, had side, other jobs as well. Uh, but uh, we got so popular. Uh, and I've always been sort of like a community kind of guy, you know. Uh, so we started a teen club in mm-hmm. Calgary, which was a, a stroke of genius in one way because it was a teen club. And so it was sanctioned by the the, the boys club, or not boys club, but uh, like the a youth uh, program right. in Calgary. Yeah. And, uh, 
and we packed we had packed the dance with uh, with all these uh, teenagers, you know, in Calgary, and so it got too popular because the the you know because they had they shut us down. Uh, it was Saturday night, and so midnight they would shut us down, and then we'd have all these kids there, you know, with nothing to do, and yeah. so they they would drift off into the city and cause a lot of trouble. And so we got, literally, we got kicked out out of Calgary by the mayor of uh, Calgary. <laughs> That's and a we badge of we're honor. Gonna, we, we thought we were going to get an award, and we got asked to leave. <laughs> and they just wanted us to leave during the Christmas uh, time. But but when they said leave, we left and we went to Vancouver. Then I re- we basically resettled in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. But but it was uh that's that's how we started moving around and then uh, the singer his name was Tommy Milton beautiful beautiful black uh canadian african canadian what do you call african american african canadian yeah. you know and so he um uh, he was, he had the bug, you know, he was, a, he could have been a pro football player, but he hurt his knee, mm-hmm. but he, he had that star quality, you know, that, that, that quality and he knew how to make it big. And so uh, he had us tr- driving or, you know, taking trips down to LA and trying to find work down there, you know, with music, with music. And, uh, that's that's basically how I got my traveling bug. You know, it was with the help from uh, Tommy Milton and the singer. But, right. Yeah. But then we, then, uh, you know, then I connected with another singer in, in uh, San Francisco, and he was Bobby Taylor. Was right. Singer. And he was one of those unsung stars of, uh, you know, there's so many of them around, you know, they would have made it big had, had it not been for their criminal activity Mm -hmm. (laughs) or or their attitude. It was at this moment that Tommy's son walked into the room to let Tommy know that some of his business partners had arrived at the house. So we would need to cut our chat short before signing off. However, Tommy gave us a scoop on the reason for the visit. Oh, I, you you get the scoop on this. You you know I got busted for bongs, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, they uh, they shut down the whole bong industry, and uh, we had a competitor. It was Jerome Baker bongs, mm-hmm. and there was Chong bongs and Jerome Baker. Yeah. Well, we've teamed up. Oh, cool. Now we're, we're 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 a team now, and they just flew into from Vegas. Uh, with with our new bongs, because I'm going to be uh, featuring. We're going to go on tour, especially with this pandemic. Mm. We're going to go on tour with a, a billion dollar bong. That's how much this bong <laughs> is worth. I'm serious. <laughs> it's a billion dollar bong, and people ask me, "How come it's a billion? Well, it used to be a million dollar bong, but million. It's not exciting anymore. Yeah, it has to be a billion dollar bong. You got to up the, the ante. And so we're going to be taking a picture of the of the billion dollar bong along with other uh, chong bongs and everything else. And so and they flew in and they're on a tight schedule. So I'm going to have to. Okay, well, we'll, we'll, we'll pick this up. Thanks, Tommy. I appreciate that. Okay, man. Nice right, we'll pick it. it up. Nice All, you, right. Dave. All right. Because Dave's not here. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Okay, brother. Okay, brother. <laughs> Talk soon. <laughs> Bye.
Bye-bye. We decided to pick up the conversation a few days later. At that point, I was traveling with Belinda and friends, and we had settled for the week at a bed-and-breakfast type place in Puerto Viejo, on the opposite side of Costa Rica on the Caribbean Sea, just north of the Panama border. Hello, Tommy Chong. How you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm doing great. It's nice to see you. You're a Canadian, uh, Canadian uh, born guy. You uh, grew up in, in, in Alberta, and uh, that's where you started uh, in the show business. You started as a musician, right? Yeah, yeah. I've been a musician most of my life. Yeah. Since I was eight. Yeah. And so you started a band in, in, uh, in, uh, in Calgary. Is that where you were first started out? Is that the first well, band you had? I started off with a with a full blood native, Sarsi native, named Dick Bird. Yeah, we we met in Army Cadets, and uh, he's a guitar player and a singer, and so him and I used to uh, jam a lot. You know, we played a lot together, and then he became an Elvis impersonator. Oh, I, yeah. was his, I was his backup guitar player. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and then I met a a, a football player friend of my brother's Tommy Milton and he who would later become little daddy of little daddy and the bachelors mm-hmm. and then we formed uh our, our the first R&B band in Canada oh really yeah very cool Mixed. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you told me that you 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 fell in love with uh with rock and roll when you saw Elvis right yeah yeah, uh, that and that's who I was playing with. Uh, it was um, Dick, Dick, <laughs> the full blood Sarsi native from uh, Calgary, uh, would grease his hair back and put on a white uh, sports jacket and turn the collar up. Yeah, wiggle like Elvis, and the girls would go crazy. We, we, I, I. That's when I got the. That's when I was bitten by show business. And, yeah, yeah. So you, you were you were doing your thing in Calgary for a while, and then what brought you up to uh, to Vancouver? We got kicked out of Calgary by the by the mayor of Calgary. <laughs> <laughs> very very historical. Or we'd probably still be there. You know, we were having a good time. Um, yeah, that's why we. You know, it was a kind of a racial thing. You know, like I said, we were the first black band in in Canada, and we yeah. started feeling. A, you know, a little taste of racism, you know. Right. You were pushing the boundaries and they didn't like that too much. Well, we were showing a culture. Mm-hmm. It was it wasn't the boundary. If if we you know, it'd been Irish music or can some country music, you know, nothing would have been said. Right. But it was uh it was kinda like black, you know, black magic music, you know. Right. Like a scary R and B I I think and uh Anyway, that got us to Vancouver. Yeah. So you 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 spooked you spooked the locals in Calgary and you headed for Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Has to leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then and then you end up, it's incredible that you end up leaving you end up leaving Alberta and you end up on uh, Barry Gordy on on, on uh, Barry Gordy Records or Motown Records, right? Well, Vancouver, we turned Vancouver into pretty. Uh, hip uh, town. You know, like I said, I had the first black R&B band in Calgary. And then when we went to Vancouver, we were the first black R&B band in Vancouver. Yeah. And uh, 
we had an uh, after hours uh, uh, club and you know we were very 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 popular and uh and then uh, our drummer quit you know yeah. <laughs> he became the drummer for the three dog night you remember those uh, yeah yeah sure yeah yeah absolutely yeah, floyd sneed he was uh, my my brother-in-law and drummer but him and tommy got in an argument one time and and Floyd got a better offer, so Floyd quit to join the uh, uh, Three Dog Night. And so we had to get a drummer, and so we knew Bobby Taylor, the singer in, in San Francisco. So right. we called Bobby, and Bobby says, I, I can drum. I was like, all right, yeah, yeah, you, know, I, you don't need a drummer. I'll drum. I'll, yeah, send me to, I'll be right there. So he, we got Bobby. Of course, yeah. Bobby played the drums. And he played, actually, the, the, the three of us, Wes, Bobby, myself, we had a, a hot trio, you know, uh, and, uh, yeah, for a while. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and then Diana Ross and the Supremes came by the club one night and heard us, and, and Diana Ross called Barry, and Barry Gordy came, flew to see Diana Ross, really, but yeah. we were a good excuse. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and he uh, signed us. Wow, the rest is history. Yeah, and how long how long were you guys together, the Vancouver's? Vancouver's, I think we did. Let's see, six, seven, about three years. Oh yeah, about three years. You tour a lot? I uh, no, we no. we did we did the Chitlin Circuit, and then we we never had a we never had a second hit. We needed another right. hit. You know, to, to to keep going up, but uh, Bobby got pulled away, and, uh, and then uh, I got fired, <laughs> and then I met Cheech and uh, decided I'd be uh, be a funnier guy than a guitar player. You know? Yeah, I, I and I read somewhere online to tell me I don't know if this is just a you know bullshit story or whatever, <laughs> but I read somewhere online that you got fired. And then Barry Gordy called you back and said, "Oh, sorry, that was a mistake. You're unfired." And then you said, "Well, you'd rather stay that way because you wanted you wanted yeah, to be it, Barry it, Gordy." Yeah, it, it actually happened. Uh, Barry, you know, I got fired. It was it was a misunderstanding. You know, basically, yeah. uh, the the road manager didn't realize how powerful I, you know I was. He thought I was, you know, some just poor ass musician. Mm-hmm. And, but Barry knew, you know, Barry and I were pretty tight all through the whole Bobby Taylor thing. And the Jackson 5, you know, we were the ones that brought Barry. We gave Barry the Jackson 5, you know. Here you go. You guys, you guys played together, right? Yeah, the, the Jackson 5? Yeah. Yeah, we, we did one gig, and then uh, Bobby brought him to Barry Gordy and, you know, signed him up. But... Um, yeah, there was, uh, in Vancouver, we, um, yeah, that's where we got discovered. We, we were good. <laughs> Bobby Taylor, yeah. man, he was singing, and Wes, we had a hell of a sound. Hell of a sound. What was it, what was it like, uh, what was it like seeing little, little Michael Jackson when he, when he was in the beginning? Did he, could you oh. tell he was going to blow up or? Uh, we kind of all knew. Well, you know, the weird thing about Michael, he was an old man when we met him, literally. Yeah. He was older than anybody I had ever met, acted older, you know? Yeah. He was a managed boy, as they say in the blues. 
very managed boy. And what does that mean? And does that just mean that he was, uh, he had been managed so much by his father or something that he was already? No, no, what it means is that when you grow up in the ghetto, you become an adult around three or four. Right. <laughs> you know, in order to survive. Yeah. You know, you're an old man by the time you're eight or 10. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and so Michael was very, very, you know, from the ghetto, you know, his father kept him in, in line and all that, you know. But he was still a, a product of the ghetto. And uh, as a result, when you're that young, you learn all the survival skills. And, mm-hmm. and Michael changed the survivor, survival skills into dance and singing. You right. know? And that, that's why yeah. he evolved. That's why he became such a powerful force, you know, mm-hmm. because that, that literally saved his life and took his life right. at, the, at the end. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, Bobby Taylor. When we got with Bobby Taylor, the, uh, he he was the. Uh, you know, I've always been around greatness. You know, Bobby was one of them. Jimi Hendrix mm-hmm. was another. You know, yeah. Jackson Five was another. You know, Muhammad Ali was somebody else. You know, I've always yeah. been around greatness. You know, teach. You know. Do you know um, why that is? Hmm. Do you know why that is? You, you, you just is it is it a, that is it a personality and how you connect with people? I, I'm, I'm ordained, you know. I'm here for a specific reason, you know. And I think I know what it is, you know. I, the 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 hemp message is very clear. Yeah. The weed message is very clear. And, you know, I realize that, and uh, you know, I, I realize I have influence. I realize that. Uh, I have answered, you know, and uh, and that's uh-huh. that's what the, the smart people are looking for now, you know. Yeah, right. Uh, the people who are uh, have some sort of a clairvoyance to them, you know. Is it, was that something you have? Is that are you, do you just uh, do you have a clarity to you that other people don't have? Do you see things or uh, uh, that other people don't quite see or? Uh, Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't be talking to me. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. I mean, I, I asked you this before. I, uh, you, must, you must pinch yourself from time to time and say, wow, you know, I can't believe I ended up here in the life, life I've been living and the people I've met. It's pretty fantastic. I wish I was that humble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not. No, I'll tell you the truth. You know, you know, it, it, being on top, it's precarious. You know, you really have to have balance being on top of anything. That's what it's taken, balance. Because if you lose your balance, yeah. you know, you're done. You're done. So it, it's, but it's been good, you know. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the main thing. That's the main thing. You know, I've gotten this far. Like, I'm learning uh, Argentine tango. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's, it's a lifelong obsession with me, you know, over many, many years. And it's just right lately I've studied the men. Right. <laughs> it's usually when I watch anything, if there's a woman involved, I'm looking at her, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I ended up watching men. and. 
It's all about balance. All about balance. And that's what life is. You know, all about the balance. You got to keep your balance. I was thinking uh, you should do a documentary about some of your uh, philosophies of life and call it uh, the Tao of Chong. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be doing a podcast, I guess, eventually, very quickly. We're getting the green screen in now for, uh, for some, uh, um, I guess, uh, oh, TikTok. Right. TikTok. I've been doing some TikTok stuff. I'm going to be doing a, a podcast with my son so I can, uh, yeah, focus, you know, with, with my one, with my uh, younger son. He's the one that's in Canada. Oh, uh, he's, he's on Vancouver, right? Uh, Vancouver Island. Okay. Roughest, uh, the best surfing in Canada. Yeah. Or one of the best. Yeah. So yeah, he's, he's doing fine. Doing better, you know. He he lucked out. He sold his house in Boulder just before the pandemic. Right. Literally a week, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then they drove down to Mexico, and they got quarantined down there. They had to stay there all during, and so they were there for quite a while. And then when they lifted the the border, then they drove up to uh, Vancouver. And, yeah. uh, and that's where they are now. They got a, it's funny because we were thinking my, his name is Gibran and he was named after Cahil Gibran, uh, the great poet, the great writer. And, uh, and he became very spiritual himself, you know? And, uh, so we're going to do, uh, just like you said, the Tao of Chong. That's a good name. I might use that. Yeah, you should. I think it'd be great. The Tao of Chong. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned uh, uh, Jiran. I got uh, two tattoos done by a guy down here in Liberia uh, who was named after Jiran, and his name is uh, Jiran Ulate, and he's got a tattoo Ulate. He's got a tattoo studio in Liberia. Oh, nice! He was named after the the, the same poet. The same poet, yeah. Yeah. And is he very mellow guy? He is very mellow. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that something? Something in a name. Well, you know, he, my my son took a, a course in body work, some sort of it, it's therapy, you know, they use on people with autism and mm-hmm. different physical problems. And he took a course, you know, it was like, a, I don't know, two months, eight weeks, something like that. Mm-hmm. He, uh, and then... He, he didn't know what to do with that, that knowledge. But now he's up in Canada and uh, he put a little ad in, in the, on, on, the, on his uh, website and uh, got, got some response from the, the native tribe. And so he might be uh, working. Well, he, he will be. He'll be, he's got like, a, I think there's 2,000 members in, the, in, in this one native tribe. And uh, yeah, everything works out. Everything, everything happens for a reason. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you see it first, you can make it happen, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We ended up picking up our conversation again almost a week later. Once I was back in my studio in Playa del Coco, Tommy's a curious guy, and this part of the conversation ended up feeling like I was a guest on his show. 
you live? What's the name of the town that you live in in Costa Rica? So the so the the town that we're living in is called Playa del Coco, which is a coconut beaches. It is uh, it is about a half hour drive from the Liberia airport. It's in the north uh, north Pacific side. Just, is Liberia just, the uh, a name of a town in Costa Rica? Yeah, it's one of the the it's one of the two major uh, international airports. One is in San Jose, and the other one is in Liberia, which is in the north. Oh, yeah, I, I, I've heard of San Jose. What yeah. side of the uh, the Pacific? What, what, oh, you're on the Pacific side. Yeah, just oh, so. south of Nicaragua. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice, huh? it's dry up on this side, and uh, and then last week we were down on the Caribbean side, which was cool. Like I was telling you, it was kind of like. Costa Rica meets Jamaica. Lots oh, of nice. lots of reggae music and lots of guys with dreads and you know lots of lots of uh, rastas and and so it has a completely different vibe than up where I am. And and is that near uh, what town is that called? Uh, San Jose. So, uh, it, it's close to San Jose and Limon, and yeah. it's it's just uh, it's near the uh, Panama border where we were last week. Yeah. yeah. And what did you just drive there? And- yeah, it took us about 10 hours to drive. It's on the complete other side of the country. And uh, we stayed in like little uh, little cottages in the in the jungle there. It was pretty cool. Well, I bet. Yeah. Indoor indoor plumbing in the cottage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just like... What do like, they use there? The septic tank kind of thing? Or do they have a... Septic tank, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess the whole country is almost on septic. Yeah, even we've got like a... a, a sort of a condo or a villa here and and we've got a septic tank actually it overflowed yeah. while we were away and one of the neighbors got a guy to come and pump it out i didn't even uh, know we had a septic tank until it overflowed oh, until you found out yeah, yeah. So, and, and how's the how's the virus down there is it there at all it's uh in our area it's pretty quiet there hasn't been many people at all who've gotten sick but mind you there was an outbreak uh about uh 45 minutes from here at a resort where some of the workers who were working there uh passed it around to each other Uh, so they've isolated those guys but it's been pretty quiet here but this country really clamped down pretty hard right away right Uh, away yeah so so you can't get in or you can't get out, I guess. And you can now, but I mean, they just, they just, uh, they, they, they clamp down with a lot of different uh, restrictions and stuff as soon as it happens. So I think they managed to kind of keep it under wraps. Yeah, because uh, in that type of country, any kind of virus epidemic could spread pretty fast if it, it gets crazy. Yeah, especially yeah, especially since families are pretty, you know, the families live in pretty big numbers down here, right, together in the same home. It's not, yeah, uncommon, I bet. not uncommon for, you know, at least 10 people to be living in one home. So, No, are you bilingual? Do you speak Spanish? I speak some Spanish and then, uh, yeah, and then I speak uh, French as well. But uh, the French doesn't help me too much here, but it helps me pick up Spanish, though. I bet. You know, yeah, because it's, it's pretty close. Romantic language, yeah. Sure, yeah. It's the romantic language, yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool, man. Yeah. So why did no? Why did you skip town again? You're wanted by the police. Is it? Yeah. Uh, you know what happened? It was kind of a funny thing. I've been living in Toronto for 25 years. Coming up on 25 years next week. Uh, I owned a, a house and then a, a later a, we, a couple condos and and we owned a condo right downtown on the on the harbor front. And uh, I bought it a, a few years ago and uh, I got a flyer in the mail saying that somebody had sold theirs for twice what we had paid. And we were just starting over, right? We had a brand new mortgage and everything. And we were like, we could get, we could get twice what we paid for this thing three and a half years ago. We, so we, we sold it and got almost a million for it and bought a house here. 
And then we wanted to stay in Toronto during the summer. I wanted to be able to audition for projects and work on projects there in the summer. So we bought a boat. So what we do is we live down here in the winter and in the summer we live on a, a 41 foot uh, power boat at the foot of Spadina, like right in front of the CN Tower right there. So, oh yeah, you got a power yacht, huh? Yeah. That's pretty cool. So that that's was kind of cool. how we, that's how we figured out how we were going to do that, like be able yeah. to hold on to something uh, in Toronto, have a foot. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 It's been cool. Well, well that's so cool, man. Yeah. You, you and your wife, what does your wife do? Is she? Uh... She works in travel. She's South African. Oh, yeah. And she, uh, she's specialized in selling uh, South African travel for, for uh, I guess, uh, about 20 years now. Oh, like the safaris and all that. Exactly that. Like she's been on ah, safari probably over a hundred times. I bet. Yeah. What's her favorite place? Can you? Uh, her, her favorite place is uh, Botswana. She loves Botswana. Oh, yeah. When the when this uh, pandemic ends, we're gonna. There's a few uh, on my bucket list, and in, in Africa is definitely on my bucket list here. Yeah, I want to do some traveling now. You know, I, I've never been. I've never been to uh, you know the continent itself. Well, I've been North Africa. That's yeah, about it. yeah. You know, Morocco, Morocco, and around there, Tripoli. Anyway, we were, yeah. we were there. Yeah, when, yeah. When the kids were smaller, it's funny. When they were younger, we took them everywhere. You know, and uh, I don't know why. I, well, my wife is. She's she's very ambitious <laughs> yeah. when it comes to taking care of business when you have the time and the money. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, cool. It's, it's cool when parents do that, when they, when they include their kids and in everything. Right. I mean, they, the kids get to enjoy all those experiences too. You guys don't have any no, kids? No, we don't have any kids. No. But, and so you're a little selfish. I'm just the two of you. Yeah, yeah, we try to uh, we try to include our nephew uh, nephews and nieces as in in uh, in our lives as much as possible to, when to, you need, to fill when that you need gap. That, yeah, we need yeah. that energy. Yeah, for sure. So they always got the crazy aunt and uncle that ready to <laughs> <laughs> live on a boat. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> that's very romantic. Yeah. Keep it interesting yeah, for uncle, them. Yeah, my uncle lives on a boat, man. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> he'll he'll get it for us. Come on. <laughs> yeah, they definitely like that. They like coming out on the boat. That's the way I, I my 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 brother was a, a scuba diver. You know, yeah. he took it pretty serious, and he would he was doing you know like uh, you know the scuba diving work and that. Yeah, know? and so I would take his gear and put it on. And he lived in uh, Vancouver in Horseshoe Bay, right on the water. And so I would put on the gear and, and just go down about 12, 15 feet and sit on the bottom, put a rock on my lap and just sit there and then let the ocean, let the ocean come to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my wife and I are, are divers and that's a, isn't that an amazing kind of Zen feeling? Just, I, I love just spreading out my arms and legs and just floating and just being. Yeah. yeah, well, that's what I do. Uh, sitting on the bottom, you become part of the ocean, yeah. and then all the all the little critters, all the all the little ocean critters come up, and they they think you you you're either food or something. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, they come up and they look in look in your mask, and then they yeah. swim away. They They're so curious. Yeah, they see all. I I, I got the, well, you know, because of my my pot uh, habit, you know, I wasn't. 
too interested in, in doing anything strenuous. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, uh, I like to get high and sit somewhere and just look. Yeah. 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 That's so cool. So yeah. Toronto, and where, where were you? You were born in in, uh, in Ottawa. Uh, Ottawa. That's right. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Raised in Ottawa. Yeah. yeah. How about your wife? Oh, she's from Africa. That's right. Yeah. She's from Johannesburg, South Africa. South Africa. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, that's a cool place. It is, yeah. it is, and you should definitely get get out, get down there. It's uh, I, I definitely had a feeling when I was there that that it's a magical place. You know, it's the yeah. place where we're all from. Yeah, you know, yeah, originally, yeah. yeah, 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 the African. Yeah, that's that's a crazy place. Yeah, I've been, like I say, I've been in North Africa. We're we're in Morocco, and again, you know, my wife is a bit of a. a of a free spirit, you know. So we we booked a car to take us into the mountains, you know, to see the the natives and Berbers and uh, mm-hmm. look at look at rugs and stuff like that. And we're driving along in the mountains, and also my wife tells the driver, "Hey, stop, stop, so And I said, "What's up?" She goes, "Let's walk." <laughs> and we're in North Africa. I said, "Okay." So we get up, and and she tells the driver, uh, "Just meet us at the next town." Yeah, and the guys are like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> and away we go, and, and he takes off, and we went walking in the countryside in uh, in Morocco. Little did we know that we were risking quite a bit, you know, because the thing is with tourists, yeah, one of the one of the things is to kidnap them, sure, and and just uh, you know get to get paid for taking care of tourists yeah especially know. well-known tourists like you yeah 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 <laughs> yeah so uh, we had a uh, well yeah we had a guide with us he was in the the passenger side and he never really had time to argue we're out of the car boom we're walking and then when he he was really worried but we walked through the you know the countryside is beautiful and then we met we went to a uh, little a little coffee shop, a little roadside coffee shop, mm-hmm. and met a, a guy from uh, France, Frenchman, mm-hmm. married to a Moroccan. And he said, oh, we're going for a walk too. You can join us. And so we walked with them, and they took us down to a little Bedouin village. Yeah. And, uh, and one house was built, literally built over on, a, uh, into a creek. And at the side of the house, at the end of the house that was in the creek was their sauna. Okay. You know, they had, they had a sauna. Nice. And this, and obviously the creek didn't overflow because mm-hmm. if they did, that house wouldn't be there. And, and so we inside this real Bedouin house and the, and the, you know, they don't mind you coming looking and, and then you give them a tip yeah, for, yeah. for being there. Yeah. You, know, you tip them. And, and uh, yeah, it was very cool. I love I love that the real, you know, I like being with the real people. Yeah. You know, yeah. Did yeah. you get invited a lot for tea? Do they make a big deal of uh, how they, Oh yeah. How they oh, serve yeah. tea. Well, especially with the rug salesman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. those poor buggers, man. Because they, they work hard showing you all their carpets. Yeah, for sure. And then, and, and then, well, what they do, I see, you know, because I was studying all that, and I could see how they use that psychology. They work the guys real hard, and you feel guilty, and so you feel like, well, you got to buy him some, buy something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we did. We bought a shitload of carpets and that, 
And then uh, it came time to ship them. I don't know what happened. Anyway, we it ended up. Uh, I don't know. We anyway, we never got them. We you never got your carpets. We, home. we we got the carpets that we paid that we bought in our luggage. Mm-hmm. We never got the ones that were shipped. Mm-hmm. But that's yeah, okay. It wasn't that much anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all, all good experience. Yeah, my wife, my wife uh, traveled around uh, uh, Morocco, and she she said it was one of her favorite. She thought it was one of the most romantic places she's ever visited. Morocco. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You go to the sightseeing. You go to the palaces, you know, and they and they show you where they kept all their the harem, you yeah. know, all their women. <laughs> They'd all live in this one little area up there. And they had these little intricate screens that they could they could see out, but you couldn't see in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was the king. He had his harem. His harem. <laughs> uh, who would who would want that headache? Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things I uh, one of the things well, the reason I wanted to chat with you today was I wanted to talk to you about um, specifically about activism, your pot activism. And, uh, and, uh, you, you, um, so you, you, you're a guy who I, you told me last week when we were chatting that you figured that you had, uh, you were here for a reason and you figured that the reason you were here was most likely to, to deliver your, your message about cannabis, about marijuana to the world. Uh, you could have been a guy that just enjoyed smoking pot on his own, like a lot of people. And, uh, what, uh, why did you why did you decide to make this a bit of a mission? Hello? And yes, we had another technical issue that cut the call short. So I called Tommy up and we agreed to pick up the next day. That conversation is the focus of part two of episode 17 with Tommy Chong. My thanks to Tommy for all of the time he spent chatting with me for this episode. It has been a real treat to get to know him. I hope you'll join me for part two of my chat with Tommy as we discuss more about his amazing journey. Also, thank you very much again to Mr. Jerry Stamp, who wrote and performed the Cool Story theme song and all other jingles and stings that appear on this show. Do yourselves a favor and look for Jerry's music wherever you stream. And finally, thank you for listening. Until next time, Pura Vida. Everybody's had some adventures Everybody's had a few close calls Everybody's got a story What's yours?